It's really good uh, to gather with you. We took a little bit of a risk meeting outside today, but it feels right given uh, the series that we're in. Uh, we've been making our way through the story um, of God and began in the Old Testament where we continue today and we are going into the New Testament in the weeks to come. Um, taking a look at who we are as people made of dirt or the Adama and to the Adama, the dirt, we will return and finding our connection to God there. We rarely spend time, uh, communally at least, in the book of Proverbs, uh, which of course is considered part of wisdom literature, correct? And part of me thinks that this is because culturally speaking, we largely operate in the direct, in a mode that doesn't always appreciate storytelling, right? Broadly speaking, I don't think we are a people who speak proverbially. So many people around the world do, though. Uh, in seminary and grad school, I worked as an editor for an annual publication out of a missiological conference that met in Southeast Asia. And I edited a paper at one point, the title of which was, You Think in Lines, We Think in Circles. And I have forever been impacted by the content, the thesis, and the spirit of that paper. And as I read today's proverb, I was sitting under that large maple tree next to the garden in my backyard as I committed that I would do during the series. And I was also reminded of a conversation that I had with a friend in Haiti. I've known this man for about 20 years. His name is Beatrice, uh, and he's an agriculturalist at heart. And he lives in a culture that speaks in Proverbs. And the conversation went a little bit like this. He was lamenting that the younger generation in Haiti was losing their agricultural skills, and that has an effect on families' food security or insecurity. He said that people needed to return to the land. They needed to return to gardening, everybody. And he described how every young person needed to know how to use the garden hoe. To be familiar, then, with the land. Working the land is something that he teaches his children. And there was something profound about that statement in the conversation that we had that I believe is reflected in the proverb that we'll read today. We're not going to have some long, like, expository sort of sermon where we're going to unpack a lot of things today. We're going to engage in a little bit of conversation, uh, again, as we have been doing throughout this series, and it is just one proverb, so it is short. So I, I'm going to actually read it a few times, and I'm going to ask that you just uh, get comfortable where you're seated, be present to your body, to what's uh, going on within you, even as the world buzzes around us, um, and just find your breath for a moment and settle in. The first translation I want to read for us is from the NRSV, Proverbs 12, verse 11. Those who till their land will have plenty of food, but those who follow worthless pursuits have no sense. Those who till their land will have plenty of food, but those who follow worthless pursuits have no sense. 
in reading the Hebrew, if I were to directly translate this passage, I think this proverb sounds more like this. To work or serve the Adama is to be satisfied, fulfilled with bread, food, or grain. To pursue emptiness lacks inner heart, mind, or sense. To work or serve the Adama is to be satisfied, fulfilled with bread, food, and grain. To pursue emptiness lacks inner heart, mind, or sense. This is the word of the Lord. That's nice and short. And I want to open up a few moments for some conversation, for reflection on what it is that you hear in that proverb, how the connection to land is a connection to God. What do you notice? What do you sense? Mm-hmm. So if you can't hear Laura, she's just reflecting on the proverb and connection to some of the reading and braiding sweetgrass. If you're not familiar with that book, that is a book that we've created seasonal small groups around here uh, this fall season. And if you're interested in that, we can talk more about that uh, after the gathering. But um, just that that gift um, that is received in, in working the land and how that's part of the covenant relationship. God. you.
Yeah. So Julie's just reflecting on her raspberry patch, which I've seen. It's it's really growing. And yeah, I can see how you'd have to fight off the birds. Um, but how when she goes to eat her jam that she's made of those raspberries, there's something more valuable about that. And I think that really goes along with some of the, the connections in this passage that I was making this week. I read um, Wendell Berry's book called The Unsettling of America a couple weeks ago. And he says that there is a disease of modern character that he calls specialization. And he says it leads to, to only two concerns, making money and entertaining. And I think, Julie, to your point, um, Barry is very much familiar. He says this in his book. From morning to night, one does not touch anything that one has produced oneself, in which one can take pride. For all one's leisure and recreation, they feel bad, look bad, as in poor health. One ought to be anxious because one is helpless. And he continues to say that then the social consequences of this modern character of specialization is that no longer does human life rise from the earth like a pyramid, broadly and considerably founded upon its source. Now it scatters itself out in a reckless horizontal sprawl like a disorderly city whose suburbs and pavements destroy the fields. Kimmer, as Laura has referred to in her book Braiding Sweetgrass, I think echoes that sentiment of connection to the land quite well. She says... In the old times when people's lives were so directly tied to the land, it was easy to know the world as gift. Gift. So I think for us sometimes the land is forgotten as gift and therefore does not fulfill or satisfy us or bring about that connection to God. What else? Lennon has thoughts.
Yeah, so John's connecting just that that translation from the Hebrew of emptiness to like these containers that we have, especially in the first half of life, to kind of be filled. And when that container of connection to the land is not, that it's left void or empty. Yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, when that's left void or empty, I think there's a grieving that happens. And one of the connections that I was making this week as I read was that grieving is a part of becoming whole or fulfilled, um, satisfied. Uh, To quote Kimmer again in Braiding Sweetgrass, she says this, Joanna Macy writes that until we have grief for our planet, we cannot love it. Grieving is a sign of spiritual health. But it is not enough to weep for our lost landscapes. We have to put our hands in the earth and make ourselves whole again. Even a wounded world is feeding us. Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. I choose joy over despair, not because I have my head in the sand, but because joy is what the earth gives me daily, and I must return the gift. And yet I don't think we can grieve something that we don't have a relationship with, right? She continues by saying, People often ask me what one thing I would recommend to restore relationship between land and people. My answer is almost always, plant a garden. It's good for the health of the earth and it's good for the health of people. A garden is a nursery for nurturing connection. The soil for cultivation of practical reverence. And its power goes far beyond the garden gate. Once you develop a relationship with a little patch of earth, it becomes a seed. Anything else stirring?
So if you're having a hard time hearing, um, Emily's just describing the spiritual gift of being able to notice like the contrast, right? Um, and um, the, the, the whole idea of dominion over versus what I might call reciprocity or what Kimmerer would see as reciprocity. Um, and um, like Julie's comment is, is about how humans have done the work of dominion that has changed the land in such a way that for worse that that now like it's our turn to like right yeah yeah so this connects i think i'm spoiler alert okay like when you get later on in uh Kimmerer's book she talks about windigo and i think windigo windigo is actually um what this whole emptiness or pursuing of fantasies or worthless pursuits is really about. And um, she defines Wendigo as the name for that within us, which, which creates more for its own survival than for anything else. Sorry, which cares more for its own survival than anything else. And I think this is what, what's kind of being named in this concept of dominion, right? Uh, and I think, too, this pursuit or this this windigo this this caring for, for itself ourselves over and above anything else um that it doesn't feed us not physically as is described in this proverb even but spiritually even and it reminds me of that wisdom that that jesus brings uh in the new testament in john chapter 6 verse 35 jesus said to them i am the bread of life Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And this reciprocity that we're talking about, and this is what connection and relationship with the land is. This is what Brittany mentioned last week as well. It's an important part, I think, of what it means to be driven by something greater or more beautiful or holy than what Kimmerer describes as Wendigo. Today's proverb like many others, begin to probe at the choices that bring about righteousness or wickedness, or what we're naming here as dominion versus reciprocity. And it examines then our intentions of the heart, what directs our hands and our lips, right? So what we say and what we do matters because it affects our relationships of reciprocity and mutuality. So today, I just want to encourage us as we read this little proverb in this great book of Proverbs that we put our hands to the dirt, that we return to the Adama, to the land, because it's where the wisdom of God is. And it brings us into connection both with the land and to God, into this relationship 
of reciprocity, one that requires that we engage in the work, to see the world as gift, and to begin to change our hearts, our posture, our connection with God and one another. This morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. We've kind of done like a hybrid sort of version of our gatherings. We're going to have a plant-based brunch that Logan McMahon has prepared for us. I hear very good things in general about your um, culinary skills. So I'm looking forward to this. Thank you for providing it for us and for all your work. Um, Noah, can you go get the kids? That'd be great. They're going to come back and join us. Um, Before they join us and we go and enjoy some brunch together. I want to share a few announcements. They're in your bu- your bulletin. You can pull that up if you'd like. Um, as a reminder, um, Michelle Bell is in the discernment process with the leadership team where you all get to participate. She's sitting right up here. Joel's doing this. Uh, if you don't know Michelle, I encourage you to, to get to know her. Um, and we encourage any engagement that you might want to uh, to have with the leadership team um, by next Sunday as we continue on in our discernment process. Also, uh, Joel, do you want to say something about the next announcement? Thanks. Um, Also, it's been mentioned a couple times, if you want to respond to Afghan refugees who are currently awaiting resettlement and are housed at Camp Atterbury, south of Indianapolis, there are donations still being collected Monday through Friday at uh, the center on Kessler. So you can make uh, drop-off donations there. You can make financial contributions. I also just recently looked at the website again through Team Rubicon, who's doing a lot of that work. And there are opportunities apparently to like volunteer by joining Team Rubicon. So if that's something of interest, just know that those opportunities are kind of expanding as, as things change there um, at, that, at the camp. Um, also, next, w- next week, we plan to hold a community conversation right after our gathering. So just be prepared for that in terms of marking your calendar and, and staying uh, to converse. And we'll have another one on October 14th. Uh, as a heads up, uh, Amalia is going to be taking photos of us as we gather together for our website. Um, We're revamping it, so yeah. And then also, as you've heard many times, a reference to braiding sweetgrass, if you're interested in joining one of those seasonal small groups, they are meeting for five sessions over the course of several weeks uh, in different locations. You can let me know if you're interested in any of those, um, and I can give you some more information about that. All right. All right, so um, we are going to engage in our feasting liturgy, and then I would encourage you um, to sit wherever you want for brunch. I will ask that if you are going to partake of brunch and are going to fill your plate, everything is inside 
on the counter. I would ask that you put a mask on before you go inside to fill your plate. There's hand sanitizer there as well. Um, grab your, your um, meal and feel free to go anywhere within the building that you would like or come back out here um, to fellowship and engage in conversation. And then as you depart, you can bless one another instead of the way we normally benedict. So, um, all right. So you can pull up the, the feasting liturgy.